Hello America, this is Mark Dunnigan and the Daily Answer. Let's go over to the book of Matthew chapter 19 and we're going to start in verse 3. I'm going to read the text and then we're just going to make some observations and that will be today's show. Some Pharisees came to Jesus testing him and asking, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason at all? And he answered and said, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. They said to him, why then did Moses command to give her a certificate of divorce and send her away? He said to them, because of your hardness of heart, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it has not been this way. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. Marriage, divorce, and then notice Jesus throws in remarriage. Because I think their question naturally was about remarriage. Typically, most men and women do not shed spouses to remain single the rest of their life. That is, they're looking for another. And so that's why remarriage comes up. That's often in most cases, the motivation to divorce. They're gonna be eventually looking for someone else. They still wanna be with somebody, but not just this particular person. It's very easy sometimes on this topic to say it's too complicated, too many views, etc. It's divisive. It's controversial. All right. The trouble with that, to me, the big problem with that is if the Bible had never really addressed this issue, then I can see how, you know, we're trying to put some passages together here, but we really don't have any specific teaching on it. Okay. The trouble is Jesus was asked the specific point blank question. Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any cause at all? And he did not give us volumes of material. He did not give us a 500 page book on it. He answers that question with what? Six verses. Okay. He answers it very clearly, succinctly, not complicated, and it doesn't go on and on and on. And it's not an answer that only some really highly educated person would be able to understand. It's, it, it's an answer just on the level that anyone can understand. In fact, the disciples, the men from Galilee in verse 10, immediately understood the implications, ramifications, applications of what Jesus said. They immediately understood that the answer is no. And there's only one cause. And they immediately understood that, hey, the rules that govern marriage are so stringent that at least in their minds, they thought, hmm, if you just can't put away your wife for all sorts of causes, if there's only really one cause, and the chances of her cheating on you are probably pretty rare in most cases. That means you're married to her for the rest of your life. And sadly, they said, Man, maybe better not to marry if that's the case. Okay. All right. 
they 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 immediately understood they immediately understood the application so we need to be just as clear on this as jesus was and i think we're really doing a disservice to jesus and the text if we give people the impression that oh this is too complicated and you got to study this for years and etc um, how is jesus's answer here any different than what he said about baptism okay I, I think equally clear passages or really any other topic all right hell you name it so take a look here he says have you not read oh boy i love that because what he's saying is you know in in your question unfortunately you're given the impression that god has never addressed this topic you know like hey we would not divorce our wives for any cause at all if God had told us not to do that. But, you know, there's really no clear information on this. And this guy says this and this guy that says that. I love how Jesus says, excuse me, but God has been very clear on this. God has legislated on this. Have you not read? I mean, there's people out there today, baptism. Ooh, is it for remission of sins? Is it not for remission of sins? Uh, excuse me. Have you not read? He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Have you not read? All right. Then it says, he who created them from the beginning. Wow. Okay. Adam and Eve are not millions of years from Genesis 1. The days there are not long eons of time. Jesus now, if you're tempted to say, well, okay, but what does Jesus know about physical science? What does Jesus know about the age of the earth? What, uh, excuse me, he's the creator. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Je um, John chapter one, verse three, Hebrews chapter one, verse three, Colossians chapter one, about verse 16 and 17. Okay, yeah, he's the creator. So he was there. And he says, okay, Adam and Eve, male and female, are there from the beginning. So millions and billions of years do not separate the, the beginning of the universe from mankind. Okay? That's real clear. Now, at the end of the day, who's, who are you going to trust? You're going to trust the human fallible experts that have had to revise their theories multiple times and are still having to do that. Or genesis genesis has never been revised okay bible's never been like oh we got to go back there and correct that because that's wrong then it says made them male and female okay there's only two genders and i know we live in a world today that argues otherwise but i think you're arguing you're argue at that point you're arguing against not only scripture but biology right because in biology there's only two genders in biology male female chromosomes all right nothing else there so male and female and said for this reason okay so that's important because what he's doing is he's saying marriage is based on the following reason on the fact that god created a male and a female that's the basis of marriage I mean, that's clear from four and five. Notice also how Jesus will take Genesis one and Genesis two, the leaf father and mother, and join them perfectly together that Jesus does not see a contradiction between the creation account of Genesis one, which is rather broad, 
and Genesis 2, which focuses in on day six and following. All right. So marriage is a male and a female. Then it says, for this reason, man shall leave his father and mother, which means that the teaching of Genesis, see, Adam and Eve don't have a, well, they don't have a mother. They have a spiritual father, but they don't have an earthly father, which means that since Adam is pictured as saying that, that this instruction did not merely apply to Adam and Eve, it would apply to people after them outside the garden, that this is timeless instruction transcending time and culture. All right. So marriage is where a man leaves his family unit, father and mother, and is joined to his wife. He commits, he cleaves to his wife. Right there, that, that's your answer to, if the original instruction was leave and cleave, then why are you even asking about divorce? Because divorce is to separate. That's contrary to cleave. It's leave father, mother, cleave the wife. It's not leave wife and cleave to somebody else. I mean, your question makes no sense in light of Genesis. And the two shall become one flesh. And that's important because there's at all sorts of levels. And First Corinthians 6, Holy Spirit warns people about the idea of, well, this is just a casual sexual encounter. Holy Spirit says there are no casual sexual encounters. Strings are formed, whether you, uh, strings are formed, whether you like it or not. You're given a person, a, a piece of you, your heart, whether you intend to or not. But something's happening there when you physically join yourself to another human being. Okay. It's not casual. It's never casual. That, that's just a big lie. It's never a one night stand. Okay. And then it says, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. Now, obviously they, they come together physically, but also they join together mentally and spiritually, emotionally, etc. They form a household. Okay. They make promises to one another. Uh, they're, they're really one I mean, people talk about their other half. Okay, so there's all sorts of language in the culture that people admit this is true. And you start talking it like each other, you start finishing each other's sentences. Okay, you have a major impact upon each other. What therefore God has joined together, not man separate. There you go. I mean, if they're one flesh, if if he's supposed to cleave and she's supposed to cleave. Then obviously, not only that, but the idea that God joins you together, that this is not just a civil contract. This, yeah, this involves the law of the land and God expects us to obey the laws of the land. But at a deeper level, you, you've stood up before witnesses and promised to each other your lifelong love. And you just, can't, you just can't say like, well, I'm tired of that. Or you just can't say later on, well, I'm opting out. Not for me. It's not doing it for me anymore. In, in fact, in the Old Testament, the Jewish men that did that to the wives, God calls that treacherous. It, it's treachery because, I mean, it's the ultimate betrayal. It's the ultimate betrayal in the, of another human being. You come together. You promise this person your lifelong love. You open. They open up your heart to you. They... They unclothe before you. They open up their whole life to you. They 
build a life based on the foundation you're all, always going to be there you might even have kids together and then and you financially intertwine yourselves together and at some point you say i'm pulling out well how dare you that that is one of the most despicable things that a person could ever do and we need to call it that no wonder god said i hate divorce I know people will say very, very superficially, well, God doesn't want me, me to be unhappy. So you can leave a man or a woman devastated and children devastated because you got to have you got to have your little thing. Yeah. You do that. You do that. Watch out what come, shows up in your life. Yeah, that's just. Uh, you. Uh, nobody wants to be in those shoes. Now, notice in verse 7, it says, they said to him, well, why then did Moses command to give her certificate certificate of divorce and send her away? Notice how they go to Deuteronomy 24. And it's important to note, they thought Deuteronomy 24 was a green light for divorce because there is that language of a certificate of divorce. But go back and reread Deuteronomy 24, 1 through 4. And what you'll find is that there's no green light there. God is not telling anyone to divorce their mate. God is dealing with a situation there that's already happened. It's a situation where, you know, the man has already done that. Okay. And this is something, the certificate was to protect that woman. But notice there's even some rules there in Deuteronomy 24. Okay. You put away a wife. She marries another man. And he dies. Okay. Which means but she you can't have her back even if that second husband died which 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 would be a, a lawful ending of the marriage because it says she's defiled well if she's defiled you're probably defiled because you're the one that put her away and that brings up the word hardness of heart in fact this is one of the places that said yeah on a civil level on a civil level god allowed that okay but Anyone who did that had a hard heart, which means you go into heaven if you have a hard heart. Remember in the Old Testament, you have civil legislation and, and you have along with it, you have other legislation as well. This is kind of contingency legislation here. This is very similar to legislation like uh, if, if you knock out the tooth of your slave. Now, it's not suggesting you do that, but it says, OK, now, if that happens, then you have to let them go to go free. Deuteronomy 24 is like that, okay? It's not encouraging anybody to do that. And it's not a green light for divorce. It's rather that, okay, if if you've done that already, then you, you got to give her a certificate and you can't ever have her back, period. So you might really think about your actions, okay? You can't ever get her back. She's gone for good no matter if her second husband dies. So Jesus just brushes Deuteronomy 24 away. It's interesting. They did not go back far enough. They didn't go back to Genesis. That's where Jesus goes. And he said to them, because of your hardness of heart, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, he goes back to Genesis. It has not been this way, which means that Deuteronomy 24 did not change Genesis 2, did not alter Genesis 2. 
Genesis 2 had always been the standard throughout time. You leave and cleave. What God has joined together, let no man separate. That has always been the standard. And it's universal because Genesis 2 is given, it's legislation given before there's a nation of Israel. Okay? So it's not legislation just for the Jewish people. It's legislation for everyone. And Jesus does that here. If you say, okay, these verses, who do they apply to? They apply to whoever, whoever marries, that's who they apply to. Whoever enters that relationship, that's who they apply to. Okay, the language here is very universal. And then in verse 9, he says, and I say to you, whoever, whoever divorces his wife, except for immorality and there it, it's sexual immorality it's not like you can put her away because she shoplifted or you can put her away because she lied about something okay it's not just this vague well that's not right behavior rather it is sexual immorality that is she has cheated on you and that's the only cause here that's the only exception and marries another commits adultery present tense so here you put away this individual, not for the right reason. You marry somebody else, you're in adultery, ongoing. Why? Well, because in the eyes of God, you're still married to the first person. Well, those are my thoughts on Matthew chapter 19, verses 3 through 9. Very clear, not complicated, not volumes of material. Um, and of course, Jesus knows of all the other things that can happen in relationships. All right. But we need to trust him. He's God. And he said, this is the way it works best. This is the way that's right. You can only put her away if she or he cheated on you, period. Okay. That's the only way that the only, you can only put them away and have the right to remarry if they cheated on you. So. It's mercy and grace, too, because when you realize that, you say, okay, I need to really work on my marriage because this is probably the only one I get. The chances of someone cheating on you are not incredibly high. So this is if this is the only one I get, then I need to make the best of it. And that's where it's mercy. And that's where it's grace. Because if you just hop from one relationship to another without ever changing yourself or trying to make the best of it, you'll never find what you're looking for. Mark Dunnigan for The Daily Answer. Until next time, see you in the funny papers.